Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. As hopefully most of you know, it's National Safe Boating Week, and with me today is Rachel Johnson. Rachel's the executive director for the National Safe Boating Council, and of course, we will be talking about tips for making sure you're safe out there on the water. Before we bring in Rachel, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral Level sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, United Yacht Sales of the Carolinas, and Waterway Guide Media. And of course, we support those businesses and we encourage all of the loopers and other boaters out there to support them as well because they support the Great Loop. All right. Um, Rachel Johnson, Executive Director of the National Safe Boating Council, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Let's start a little bit, if we could, about the background of the um, Safe Boating Campaign um, and Safe Boating Week. Yes. So the National Safe Boating Council is an organization. We're a national nonprofit with a mission of safer boating through education, outreach, and training. And one of our major outreach campaigns is, of course, the North American Safe Boating Campaign. And we really touch on um, a, a plethora of information. We basically are intending to educate voters about every boating safety topic there is out there. Uh, and, of course, National Safe Boating Week is our opportunity to take one week out of the year to really focus our efforts, introduce voters to the campaign, uh, because we know a lot of boaters are preparing to get out on the water around May so that they can enjoy it year-round and, and really during the summertime. And, and tell me about some of the, the biggest challenges you see when you're out there or that you hear about that um, are kind of impeding the safety of the boaters out there. The number one issue that we see each and every year is boaters not wearing a life jacket. 85% of those that drowned in boating accidents in 2015 were not wearing a life jacket, 85%. So it really is the simplest thing each and every boater can do out on the water. And let's dive into that a little bit more because there have been a lot of changes in life jackets over the years that make them more wearable and, and therefore hopefully more people will wear them. Um, talk about the inflatable life jackets because that's what most of our members are looking um, to buy for the comfort and the wearability as they are getting ready to set out on the Great Loop. Yeah, so if you haven't heard about inflatable life jackets, here's the basic things you need to know. Uh, they are U.S. Coast Guard approved. Um, the idea behind them is they're uh, compact and lightweight, and then when you need them, uh, you, whether you have the manual or the automatic, a CO2 cartridge actually inflates the life jacket, basically on demand, uh, and then that's what keeps you buoyant in the water. So when it's not needed for an emergency situation but you're still using it, it's very lightweight and compact, and then when you do need it, it meets all of the Coast Guard requirements to make sure you're safe in the water. So uh, inflatables are an excellent option. I usually say for the more experienced uh, person that's a little bit more comfortable in the water um, because it does have, you know, a few extra steps uh, that an inherently buoyant foam-filled life jacket doesn't necessarily have. Uh, but it is an excellent alternative. 
And most of the ones I see our members wearing are the suspender style of the inflatables, but there's some others out there as well. Um, can you tell us anything about some of the other choices? Yeah, so the suspender you mentioned, um, there, there are two main types. There's the manual inflation where you actually have to pull a cord if you were to go in the water and inflate it, and the automatic option, which uh, if you fell overboard after you get underwater about a certain amount, uh, actually recognizes you're in the water and inflates automatically. Now, another option is the belt pack inflatable life jacket. And for those of you, like, never hearing this before, think of a fanny pack. That's really what it looks like. Uh, so it's so small. And uh, these only come in manual options. So if you were to go overboard wearing a belt pack, you would have to pull the cord to inflate. And then there's a secondary motion where then you would pull the inflated portion over your head. So the belt pack, which is my favorite, that's what I use on my stand-up paddleboard and when I go out, um, it, it is for the voter that's more comfortable because you would have to, you know, tread in the water a little bit while you inflate it and put it over your head. Okay. Um, let's also talk a little bit about one of the fundamentals of boating safely is, of course, kind of knowing the rules of the road and how to stay safe. Um, so, of course, there are more and more safe boating courses available to help teach those basic fundamentals and requirements. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the safe boating courses you would recommend and what the requirements might be to actually have taken one of those before you get in a boat. So I encourage all boaters to take a safe boating course. And, of course, we always say an educated boater is safer on the water. Uh, and, and when we look at the statistics, why it's so important uh, to have that background knowledge, where instruction was known, 71% of deaths occurred on boat where the operator did not receive instruction. So basically, uh, you know, those that receive instruction really are safer boaters. Um, and, and what we recommend for those that are interested in taking a safe boating course, uh, there are volunteer organizations such as the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary or United States Power Squadrons in your community uh, that offer courses in the classroom. Uh, there's also, also online courses available. If you just want to, you know, take a couple of evenings to pass your safe boating course, uh, you can do it online as well. Uh, so the good first step, if you are interested in taking a safe boating course, Visit one of our partners' websites, NASBLA, uh, N-A-S-B-L-A dot org, uh, to learn your state-specific voting requirements and finding uh, where you can take a course near you. That's great information. Um, I know some states require a course, some do not. Um, our our members are typically going through 14, 15 plus states and also into Canada. Um, so can you tell us which of the courses are kind of transferable if you take one that would cover you in all the different states? So the most important thing is going back to what I mentioned, that organization NASBLA, N-A-S-B-L-A. Uh, those courses that uh, are credible uh, and, and actually recognized by NASBLA are the ones that you want to take. And so if you are doing your search, and, and I mentioned Coast Guard Auxiliary and Power Squadrons, their courses are, um, the online ones as well, and they are uh, approved by NASBLA, will say it, because it's a very proud thing for them to have been recognized by NASBLA. Uh, their course has gone through, you know, basic tests to make sure that they are approved. So when you are looking for a course and you're looking for one because you are voting 
uh, around the nation and even heading up to Canada, make sure, first of all, you check your state requirements, your, your state that you live in, of course, uh, and then just make sure the course you choose is uh, NASLA recognized. Okay. Um, let's move on to some of the other equipment on the boat. You know, besides you need to understand safety and what you're doing by taking a course um, and you need to be wearing your life jacket, tell us about some of the other essential safety equipment that should be on every boat. Yes, yeah, so there are actual requirements, uh, and it does matter on your boat size. So depending on uh, if you're on a larger boat, you might need more fire extinguishers versus, of course, if you're on a kayak, you would need that fire extinguisher. So it's important mm-hmm. to make sure you know the requirements for your own. But in general, uh, here are some of the required equipment. A life jacket for each person on board. So if you and I were going out together, we need two U.S. Coast Guard-approved life jackets, and of course, you and I would be wearing ours, so no big deal. Uh, and a whistle or some sort of sound-producing device, and of course, the whistle is pretty much easiest. Uh, for larger boats, of course, a horn is usually installed on the boat itself. A fire extinguisher, as I mentioned, but for larger boats, you may need more than one, so keep that in mind. Uh, flares, and then we also... You know, say there are some uh, optional and, and uh, recommended equipment as well. Uh, for example, those of you that would be traveling up to Canada, uh, those of you that like to go offshore, um, an EPIRB uh, or your, and I'm going to say it, it's a long thing, emergency uh, position indicating radio beacon. Uh, that's mm-hmm. actually registered to your boat, and a PLB, a personal locator beacon that you register to yourself. Those are really good uh, recommended equipment to have as well. And, Rachel, can you tell us anything about the cost these days for an EPIRB? Yes, an EPIRB, the, the costs are going down. Um, depending mm-hmm. on the one that you uh, are looking to purchase, you're looking at the $500 up to $1,000 range for the higher-end ones. Uh, but, of course, you know, like I said, if you're going offshore or if you're boating in the Great Lakes where, uh, you know, you might be up to, you know, three nautical miles from offshore, wherever you might be, uh, that EPIRB on your boat uh, could be a lifesaver. And and like I said, the same thing for a PLB, a personal locator beacon that we recommend you uh, attach directly to your life jacket. Uh, same idea behind it. If it's registered to you, you find yourself in a situation where you don't have cell phone service uh, and you need to, uh, you know, alert authorities, the personal locator beacon uh, that ranges around 200-ish dollars uh, or the EPIRB for your boat are really good investments. Right. And so the price of those really has come down to the point where they are affordable for most boaters, particularly in the situations that you mentioned, Rachel, and um, particularly in the situation with the personal locator beacon. Um, if, um, unfortunately, you were to be uh, tossed overboard or fall overboard in some way, um, if the captain isn't immediately aware of that, having the personal locator beacon is certainly a lifesaver for people to be able to find where you are in the water. Um, so we hope that most of our members can and can take the extra um, expense and go ahead and get those safe, safety equipments. Um, so technology obviously can be our friend safety-wise. Um, 
on things like we've just discussed, the EPIRB and the PLB. We also find that a lot of our boaters are, are very technologically savvy and they've got lots of electronics and technology on their boat that is helping them navigate. One thing we worry about is, is people are getting more and more focused on those electronics and losing some situational awareness in some of the busier ports. So one of your safe boating tips that I thought was very interesting for us is to know what's going on around you at all times. Talk to us a little bit about that idea that you, you really can't just be relying on your chart plotter and your other navigation displays in front of you, but you, you need that situational awareness. And I think you've got some stats around that as well. Yeah, you really do. Um, when we look back at the Coast Guard statistics, the five primary factors in accidents, uh, you know, four out of five of them are user issues. Um, operator inattention, operator inexperience, improper lookout, an excessive speed. And now the fifth one's machinery failure, uh, which goes back to some of the other discussions, um, you know, being prepared, checking your, your equipment before you go, that kind of thing. Uh, but as I mentioned, four of them are operator error um, or issues uh, that are contributing factors to accidents. So like you said, putting the cell phone down, you know, it's the same thing you hear in the car, don't text and drive, mm-hmm. don't text and right. <laughs> Uh, These are are things that um, are really important when you're boating. These are the accidents. Those times that the operator uh, is distracted can cause accidents. So, right, we completely agree. Um, Put the cell phone down. Make sure you're focused on where you're going and and keeping your crew safe as well. We're going to take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. Um, When we come back, well, I'd like to talk a little bit about float plans. Uh, and the best way to do that in the great loop type environment where you're consistently traveling. We'll be back in a moment. Northport Bay Boatyard is a complete marine service facility located on Grand Traverse Bay in Northport, Michigan. They feature over 85,000 square feet of heated storage, and they are offering loopers a 10% discount on heated storage, as well as a winter labor rate of $75, That's a $10 discount off their usual rate. For more information, visit www.npbby.com or call 231-386-5151. Northport Bay Boatyard is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Rachel Johnson, the Executive Director for the National Safe Boating Council. And, of course, it is North American Safe Boating Week, um, and it's the safe boating campaign that we're talking about today. Um, Rachel, let's move on to talk about float plans, because one of your pieces of advice is also to make a float plan. Um, Describe that for some of our newer boaters who maybe aren't familiar with the concept. And then I'd also like to talk about how you do that when you're moving, you know, every day or every few days for a year or so. Sure. So the idea behind the float plan, uh, it kind of goes back to the basics. Uh, The idea is, all right, you're heading out on a trip for the day. Before you head out, uh, make sure that you, it could be, like I said, as simple as writing on a piece of paper the details of your daily trip, when you plan to leave, when you want to come back, who's on your boat, the type of boat you're on, uh, basically who, what, where, when, why. Uh, and leave it with someone back on dry land. Uh, or one of the tips I always share is put it on your car. Put it on the windshield under your car uh, if you don't know anyone back on dry land to leave it with. And if something were to happen, if you don't come back your intended time later that evening, 
that float plan is really going to help authorities know where they need to start searching and then look for you uh, should you not come back in time. Uh, so it's a very basic idea, but it's a really fantastic way to um, ensure your safety and, and the safety of those on your boat. So, and let's take that to the next step. Most of our members are continually cruising for, you know, nine months to a year, let's say. So each day they're starting from one point and going to another point. They're not returning to where they started for the day, which makes it a little bit more challenging um, to follow that idea of a float plan. Do you have any suggestions on how they might handle that? Are there any um, technological solutions, apps, or other digital ways to file a float plan? Yeah, absolutely. So you bring up a couple of great points there. Um, you know, like I said, the, the float plan itself could be a basic sheet of paper um, that uh, floatplancentral.org from the U.S. Coast Guard actually has a template one you can print out and, and fill out for paper. But for your listeners, because they are going out, uh, the U.S. Coast Guard also has a fantastic mobile app, a boating safety mobile app. Uh, so it's free for anyone to download. It has great features, including a float plan that you actually fill out on your phone and can send to anybody uh, directly from your phone each morning before your trip. So uh, I would totally encourage those um, that are kind of, you know, spending more time, like you said, starting one place, ending another place, get the U.S. Coast Guard's Boating Safety mobile app, and that way, you know, the float plan gets submitted right through it. And then, of course, you know, there are other options as well. Even just texting someone back home. You know, you're, you might be, I don't know, starting from Michigan and heading up to Canada. Before you leave Michigan for the day, just text some basic details to someone back home. And uh, it covers your bases as well. It doesn't have to be so uh, advanced. The flu plan can be very basic with those uh, simple questions answered uh, to really make sure that you are, you know, doing this proactive step. Another piece of great advice. Um, so it is National Safe Boating Week. If we have members out there who are interested in getting involved in that effort, what's the best way to that, for them to help you spread the word about these tips for boating safely? Well, we love volunteers. We love those that want to get more involved. Um, we uh, just had an event at the start of Safe Boating Week uh, our Ready, Set, Wear It Life Jacket World Record Day, uh, where people around the world held boating safety events, uh, trying to set the world record for the most life jackets worn. Um, but basically, even though that happened just a couple of days ago, throughout the summer and throughout the year, uh, people are hosting local events. That's really the important thing. If you're interested in getting more involved, uh, local events, where you just kind of set up a booth. Uh, we have free information at the NSBC for you to hand out. Uh, those, that's really a great place to get started. Uh, depending on your level, you know, you could get more engaged. But at the very basic, just uh, practicing what you preach while you're boating, you know, always wearing your life jacket, um, always making sure all your equipment's in working order, and educating others about why you're doing these safe boating practices. I mean, that's a really fantastic first step. Perfect. Rachel Johnson, Executive Director of the National Safe Boating Council, we appreciate your time today. Thank you for sharing those tips for helping us stay safe out there. 
Yes, thank you. And if anyone wants to learn more or, as I mentioned, get some of the free resources we have available for your own event, visit safevotingcouncil.org. Perfect. Thank you, Rachel, and thank you all for listening. We appreciate your time, and we will be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, thanks for listening, and safe cruising.